Pastor Xavier Reese and the assurance of God's Word. If your faith contradicts the Bible, it's not biblical faith. If your faith adds to the Bible, it's not biblical faith. If your faith dilutes the Bible, it's not biblical faith. If your faith takes away from the Bible, it's not biblical faith. Biblical faith points me back to the revelation of God. That's what saves. The just shall live by faith. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most people are confused or not sure when it comes to the issue of eternity and salvation. This inevitably leads to endless debates that leave many people disillusioned. Well, is it really as complicated as we make it? Is it only for a select few? What's the secret to salvation? Those questions and more will be covered in today's Simple Truth study, Nothing But the Pure Gospel. Let's listen. Paul's declaration about the gospel of Christ is characterized by three things. Let me read verse 16 and 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Here's the three things that it's characterized by, the declaration of the gospel. First, the proclamation about the gospel. The first part is 16. Listen to him. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The apostle Paul declared his personal commitment to the gospel here. Don't miss it. He did not think the gospel was inferior to the knowledge of that day. Rome became hostile, as you know, persecuting Christians unto death, especially during Nero's reign. Paul was very aware that the name Christian was given to the believer in mockery and derision. And they embraced it as a badge because it means Christ-like. But they took this, even as Hitler gave the Jews that yellow Davidic star to mark them, they took it to themselves as a badge of honor. And when they declared their independence in 48, they put it on their flag. The Christians took that. So next time you ask somebody, don't ask them if they're a Christian. Ask them, are you Christ-like? They'll think twice before they answer you. The proclamation about the gospel is, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Notice, secondly, he gives us the definition of the gospel. The apostle Paul confidently declared the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Notice the apostle Paul confidently declared the gospel is for the Jew first and for the Greek second. For the Jew first and also for the Greek The priority of the Jew is in view of time, not importance. Understand this. The Jews were the people of God, chosen sovereignty. Listen to Deuteronomy 7, 7, and 8. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep his oath which he swore to your father... The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God is sovereign. But he has a sovereignty. He's never respected a person. He does no wrong. He's perfect in holiness. Jesus preached first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and sent his disciples to them. Listen to Matthew 10, 5 through 6. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentile, And do not enter the city of Samaria, 
but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Importance of time. Also, in Romans 15, 8 through 9, he's going to say, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become the servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. The circumcision is the Jew. To confirm the promise made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as is written, For this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. The Gentiles were always part of salvation plan. They were not plan B. The proclamation to the Gentile was in fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. God said, and you shall all the families of the earth be blessed, Genesis 12, 3. They were always included. God foresaw the rejection of Jesus by the Jews and embraced the Gentiles as the wild olive branch, which we will get to in Romans 9, 10, and 11 when we get there. Listen to just a portion of 11, verse 11 through 14. I say then, have they stumbled, meaning the Jew, that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, the Jew, and save some of them. Paul's heart desire. It grieved them that they were so blind rejecting the Messiah. Luther called John 3.16, the heart of the Bible, the gospel in miniature. It is so simple a child can understand it, yet it is condensed and deep and marvelous truths of redemption into a few pugnant words. Listen carefully. God, the greatest lover, so love the greatest degree, the world, the greatest number, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever the greatest invitation believeth the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest person, should not perish the greatest deliverance, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. Do you understand the gospel? Do you agree with Paul's definition of the gospel and have confidence in the gospel that it's the power of God for salvation alone? Or do you mix it with human disciplines and beliefs, such as psychology, sociology, anthropology? You can't. All these disciplines make good observations at times, but their conclusions are wrong because they begin with the wrong premise. Here it is. Man is good. The Bible says man is depraved. If you begin with the premise that man is good, your observations may be accurate, but your conclusion will be wrong. Behavioral modification is quite inferior to biblical transformation. You cannot add anything to the gospel or integrate it with anything. You will dilute the gospel. You cannot add nothing. Now you can put oil and water together and think they mix and even shake it up and seem like it mixes, but put it down, go away, come back in just a minute. It'll separate all on its own. If you're a Christian, do you say, I'm a recovering alcoholic? And maybe even attend AA still? Or do you say, I used to be a drunken alcoholic, but now I'm free by the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm a new creature. Why do we buy all this junk? So churches have thirst 
studies and alcohol and then drugs. And all. Listen, if you come, I don't care what your background is, you repent, sit in the church, get in the studies, get in the trenches, and you will be transformed. I'm not denying medical attention. If you have a chemical imbalance, then you need to go to the doctor. You need to stay on your medication, but you don't go to psychological counseling. You come to hear the Word of God to transform your mind so God can help you grow in His Word, in your relationship. You understand? We would never deny medical attention. That's ridiculous. Listen, you need to believe the Word of God and you need to be filled with the Spirit of God and then you need to reckon the old man dead. Romans 6, 6, Romans 6, 11, Ephesians 5, 18. You need to die to your flesh. You need to die to your sin nature. That's what Romans does. Are you confident that the gospel is the power of God for salvation or do you allow it to be watered down? There's many ways it can be done. There are so many running today after the gospel of health and wealth. They have all their little phrases, seed, faith, and all of this. So you create your own reality. You just confess it openly and publicly and, and, and positively and you're going to bring it to pass. Well, that's new age. That's not gospel. Your nose is dripping. You say, I'm not sick, so now you're a liar. There are others who are still professing the gospel of professionals, Christian counseling. Then you have the seeker-friendly churches who often don't talk about sin repentance and they just talk about very positive things and how to help the community. So you've got now people going to hell doing stuff for God. Interesting. Then you have the emergent church that professes to be leading a new reformation while not, while not believing that you can learn any objective truth from the Bible or understand it. So we shouldn't even study it. Especially old, old prophecy. Really? Why does God tell me to study, to learn, to obey, to grow? They profess that anyone and anyone can have an encounter with God apart from Jesus Christ through contemplative prayer, which is the emptying of your mind in yoga, the desert fathers. It's new age. Donald Gray Barnhouse in his commentary on Romans in 1959 said the following. Listen, quote, this is mid-century, last century, okay? In the 50s, because that's when the social gospel started coming in. He says, I feel more strongly that I can say that it is my duty to stand and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to warn people that much which is being preached from the pulpits is not the gospel. The whole of the effort is seeking to move the church leftward towards socialism is a satanic counterfeit. We're here, ladies and gentlemen, 50 years later. Listen to Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. What is it that we don't understand about that? It's a decision to go to heaven through responding to the gospel. The definition of the gospel is, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Notice lastly, now we have the explanation of the gospel in verse 17. The apostle Paul declared the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. For in it is the righteousness of God is revealed. The word righteousness is an important word in the New Testament. 92 times it is found in the New Testament and 36 of those 92 is found in Romans. What do you think about Romans? 
92 in the New Testament. 36 are in Romans. Romans is all about righteousness, God's righteousness. The only way we can come to God. The phrase righteousness of God appears eight times in Romans. The word righteousness means to be in a right standing with God. The concept of righteousness deals with the holy perfection of God's character. He alone is righteous. The heavens are not pure in his sight. Certainly righteousness is as his attribute. He's righteous. He's just. He can make no mistake. But righteousness dictates his justice. If he's not righteous, then he can make mistakes. Every one of his attributes are unto perfection. Now the context in Romans, for the most part, deals with the righteousness that God has provided for sinful man to be in right standing before him. Paul will speak of imputed righteousness, that which is accounted to us for justification. That's what we're dealing with. He'll focus on it in chapter 4. Then in chapter 6 of Romans, he will speak of imparted righteousness for sanctification, to live the life of Christ through the Spirit. Okay? Imputed. You're justified. Imparted for sanctification, to live it out. Big difference. Now, the righteousness that God has provided is efficacious. And he will honor it for it is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ revealed us who he is in Revelation chapter 1. He's a king of kings and lord of lords. He's risen from the dead. He has the keys of hell and death. <laughs> He's glorified. Now the tense here is the indicative, present passive, literally being revealed. Faith is the means by which a person receives the righteousness of God at the hearing of the gospel, Romans 10, 17 says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now the word from is the word ek. It means out of. The righteousness of God is unveiled out of faith, appropriated by faith that God has provided to be justified before him by the gospel message. No other way. God reveals the righteousness by his grace and awakens and produces faith. Faith simply believes and receives what God has done for him, knowing that he could not do it for himself. But God does not force him to believe. He awakens, produces the faith, but he does not force you to believe. You're never going to get to heaven, have a group of guys over there murmuring, complaining, say, what's up, guys? They go, ah, I wanted to go to hell. God forced me to come to heaven. But if you get to hell, you will find everybody saying, I could have gone to heaven and I chose to go to hell. It's a choice, ladies and gentlemen, by hearing the gospel. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. Those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. And for my faith to be biblical, it must point me back to the revelation. If your faith contradicts the Bible, it's not biblical faith. If your faith adds to the Bible, it's not biblical faith. If your faith dilutes the Bible, it's not biblical faith. If your faith takes away from the Bible, it's not biblical faith. Biblical faith points me back to the revelation of God. That's what saves. Now, the Apostle Paul declared the gospel of faith, listen, is nothing new. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Nothing new. 
The phrase was a past historical reality. If you've ever read the prophet Habakkuk, he was overwhelmed over the coming devastation over his own nation by the hand of Babylon. And he couldn't believe. He says, Lord, tell me what's going to happen. He says, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. Come on, Lord, I'm your prophet. Okay, I'm going to take Babylon and I'm going to chasten you guys. I can't believe it. I told you. <laughs> and so he went up in his tower and he sat to hear God. And the Lord told him, the just shall live by faith and promised a restoration of Israel in the future, even though he would not see it. Yet he believed God. Habakkuk 2.4 and Habakkuk 3.17 through 19. So Paul the Apostle reaches back by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the phrase also now points to the future prophetic fulfillment which was now the present. The Apostle Paul applies this prophecy regarding faith and righteousness of God through the provisions of Jesus Christ by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for salvation. Short term, the restoration of Israel. Long term, the salvation of lost man. His restoration. Amazing. Listen to Romans 3, 21 through 24. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul applies it to the life of the justified person who has believed the gospel by faith and must continue to live in the sphere of faith, not sight, not emotions, not feelings, not the circumstance, not the situation, but faith. In France, there was a poor girl who lived and obtained a gospel of Mark and raised letters because she was blind so she read it with her fingertips as you know braille reading but by the constant reading her fingers became callous and unable to discern some of the raised characters so she thought she would take a um, razor or scissors and to trim it to her amazement instead of helping the sensitivity of her fingers she destroyed them all together and so one day she when she found that out she took the Bible and she said this, quote, Farewell, farewell, sweet word of my heavenly Father. And her, to her surprise, her lips, more delicate than her fingers, discerned the form of the letters. All night she perused it with her lips, the word of God, and overflowed with joy at the new acquisition. How many Bibles do you have at home that you don't even pick up? How often do you open the word of God and read? How often do you study the word of God? Everybody's talking about the crises of our nation. We've got a crisis about people going to hell. Are you going to hell or are you going to heaven? Do you believe the commentary that the only righteousness that God will accept is that which he provides in the gospel and that your righteousness is insufficient to get you there? Do you believe that? Listen to the words of Job, Job 15, 16. How much less man who is abominable and filthy who drinks iniquity like water. I love that. That's so picturesque. Man just drinks sin up like water. We're drawn to it. Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. That word is a menstrual garment. 
That's how bad our good is. <laughs> How's that? We all fade as a leaf in our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There's no hope for man apart from God. Job says it. Isaiah says it. But listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow. God put my sinfulness upon his son and he took his perfection and put it on my account. Wow. Now there's hope for Xavier. Do you believe that faith is the only thing that can appropriate the power of the gospel to your life? The scripture says we have been saved. Ephesians 2.8, 1 Corinthians 15.2. We have been saved. The Bible also says we are being saved. 1 Corinthians 1.18, 2 Corinthians 2.15. And the Bible also says we shall be saved. Romans 5.9, Hebrews 9.28. I have been saved, I am being saved, I shall be saved, so I must abide, right? Simple. Simple. The commentary on the gospel is, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel, the gospel is what turns people around. The gospel is what turns marriages around. The gospel is what turns young people around. The gospel is what turns a drug addict to a godly man. The gospel is what turns a drunk into a godly man. The gospel works, but you have to go to the cross. And if you go to the cross, you never come back. You must die. If you don't die, you don't understand the gospel. And you're being a bad representative of the gospel. The gospel does work. On May 24, 1778, John Wesley heard Luther's preface to the Romans. And he said this. Listen. And if you know anything about John Wesley. He came to, he was a high church man. His father said, go in the ministry because it's good pay. Good living. And he came over here with the Moravian Christians from Germany. Incredible people. And they crossed the Atlantic Ocean in those little ships. And when they hit the storms, the Moravians were worshiping God, praising God. And Wesley was like a little girl under the bunk. And he came to convert the savages. And he was lost. And he returned to England. And listen to his conversion. He's reading the preface, uh, May 24, 1778. John Wesley uh, heard Luther's preface to the Romans, and he said this, quote, While he was describing the changes which God worked in the heart, his heart through faith in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sin, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. That was at Elder's Gate where he was born again. From that point on, Wesley was just a fireball. They call them the Methodists because they had a method of studying. They studied the Word of God and prayer, and they visited the orphans, the prisons. They were very methodical. The Word, prayer, fellowship, reaching out. That's why they were called Methodists. All these men I mentioned came through Romans to know Jesus Christ. Paul's declaration about the gospel is clear. The proclamation about the gospel, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The definition of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek. 
and the explanation of the gospel, for it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel. Hope to God that the gospel breaks forth, that many may be saved. Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of the gospel. More simple truths drawn from Romans chapter 1 today. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And if you'd like a copy of today's study to dig deeper or perhaps pass on to a friend, it's titled Nothing But the Pure Gospel. You can request a CD for just $4. And this includes what we heard the last time we were together. Once again, the title to ask for is Nothing But the Pure Gospel. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com